So, uh, things are very fast moving still at the moment in terms of uh, what's happening, what's changing, what we're doing and how we're doing it. So even in terms of how we're meeting, uh, things can change or are changing from week to week and so you need to keep an eye on the mailer and other updates we put out. Uh, so at the moment, as of this week, Wednesday evenings, Thursday evenings and twice on a Sunday, those of you watching on TV, hi, it's Wednesday evening for us here at 502. Uh, we do want to move more back to a normal kind of meeting pattern of, of stuff mainly happening on Sundays. And uh, we'll probably be moving towards multiple meetings on Sundays, and that might happen very fast, but it depends on the logistics and us being able to work out how to physically manage that. So do keep an eye on the news, because uh, we might not be doing Wednesdays and Thursdays much longer. We might be doing more on a Sunday, but as I say, it can all change from moment to moment. So uh, keep your eyes open and your ears peeled. Uh, right, we are continuing in our Why Bother series, and this evening's message is titled, Why Bother to Belong? Why Bother to Belong? Everyone wants to fit in somewhere. Everybody wants to belong. The kids are going back to school. Yes, the parents are saying, at last, the kids are back to school. And you know what it's like, I mean, even if those of us are older can probably, I'm sure these memories ingrained in us, aren't they? Even if school was decades ago, you go to school and if if, if it's a new school or maybe back to your the school you've been at, but after the summer break and after this long break, even more so, you want to fit in. You're thinking, have I got any friends who are going to be my gang? Will that person be nice to me? Is that person going to still be horrible to me? That desire to fit in that we have begins right from childhood. I saw a friend the other day who's very involved in Parkrun here in Paul, and he was saying to me, I'm missing Parkrun so much. And that's because for him, as for so many, Parkrun isn't just running around the park for 25 minutes or however long it takes on a Saturday morning. It really is community. It's about belonging. That's his church, really. That's where he finds friendship, identity. And we're all looking for that. We're looking for that sense of identity, that sense of belonging, that sense of place, that sense of home. And the good news is that God calls us into belonging. God calls us to a place. God calls us to a home. God calls us to family. Those of us who are doing community Bible reading... Uh, This week, we'll have been reading the book of Esther and the book of Revelation, which seem two very different books, but there are passages in uh, both those books this week which really uh, stood out for me in terms of this theme of belonging. First one about Queen Esther, Esther belonging to the Jewish people, the Jewish people at that time in exile in Babylon. They had been hauled out of their land and carried into exile in Babylon, and uh, Esther was an orphan, an orphan girl, didn't have any parents, but was being looked after by her cousin Mordecai, and then through a chain of events, which you'll know if you've read the book, she ends up not just being orphan Esther, but she becomes queen, queen to Xerxes, the mighty emperor. But then there's a note of jeopardy which comes into the story, and every good story has a note of jeopardy. That's where the tension and, and the excitement comes. And in Esther's story, the jeopardy comes from a man called Haman, who is Xerxes' best mate, his right-hand man, his prime minister. And Haman becomes furious at Esther's cousin Mordecai because he doesn't think Mordecai is showing him significant, uh, sufficient respect. And so Haman decides he's going to kill Mordecai, but doesn't just want to kill Mordecai, he's going to kill all of Mordecai's people. He's going to eradicate 
the Jews. And he dupes the king into writing an edict which will result in the destruction of the Jewish people. This is then exposed by Esther and she turns the tables on Haman. And we get to Esther chapter 8 and it says this. If it pleases the king, Esther said, and if he regards me with favor and thinks it the right thing to do, and if he is pleased with me, let an order be written overruling the dispatches that Haman devised and wrote to destroy the Jews in all the king's provinces. For how can I bear to see disaster fall on my people? How can I bear to see the destruction of my family? King Xerxes replied to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Because Haman attacked the Jews, I have given his estate to Esther, and they have impaled him on the pole he set up. There's some pretty brutal Babylonian practices in the book of Esther. Lots of impalations going on, which isn't particularly nice. But Haman had it coming, and if anybody deserved to be impaled, it was Haman. So let's not worry too much about that. Now I now write another decree in the king's name on behalf of the Jews, as seems best to you, and seal it with the king's signet ring, for no document written in the king's name and sealed with his ring, can be revoked. The king gives Mordecai his signet ring, and with the ring, Mordecai seals the edict that is going to save his people. There's power in that seal. It's not just a piece of paper which is getting written, but there's power in this edict which is sealed with the ring of the king. Now, probably all of us have experienced something like that to some degree, a piece of paper, just a piece of paper, but a piece of paper without which you are absolutely stuck. You just, you can't travel, well, you can't travel abroad at the moment anyway, but when we used to travel abroad, you can't travel abroad unless you've got your passports. There's all kinds of things in life where you have to have your birth certificate, and you've probably been, I've been through this at times, something I needed a birth certificate and thought, where is my birth certificate I mean, it's been knocking around for 50 years now. Where is it? And then I find it in the drawer, and oh, yes. Well, maybe at work, you have to have a special pass, and you, you literally can't get in the front door unless your pass is on you and lets you in, or an MOT for your car without which you can't legally drive or get insurance. Or uh, Think of a controversial issue. The last couple of years, the Windrush generation, those people who came from the Caribbean uh, in the 1950s, and then a couple of years ago, uh, a whole bunch of them or their children were going to get kicked out of the UK because they didn't have the right paperwork, even though they'd been here for decades. Now, the Jewish people were sealed by Xerxes' ring, which meant they're now protected, they're now secure. The, the sealed edict pro proclaims and guarantees you belong. You belong. Esther, the orphan is saved, and so are all her people. It's a beautiful story, and it's a moment which is still celebrated by the Jews. The Feast of Purim, which the Jews celebrate, remembers this moment of God's rescue of them, and there's a lesson for us all here that God is able to transform people's fortunes, that those who don't belong, those who have no security, can be brought right in. And this is what we Christians believe that God has done for us. Now, there's a picture of this in our second passage from the book of Revelation. And uh, some of the language, or much of the language in the book of Revelation, can be 
difficult for us to understand. It can seem obscure. There's a lot of picture language and uh, signs which uh, the book of Revelation uses. But the big point of this passage in Revelation 7 is how God saves his people completely. Completely in terms of the salvation is full and complete and also complete in terms of everybody who should be saved gets included. Let's read Revelation 7. I'm going to read pretty much the whole chapter uh, just to help us give the flavor of what's going on. John says this, after, I saw, I saw, after this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing round the throne and round the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? Where do they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd." He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now again, there's some picture language in this which might be a bit obscure to us, but the point is this, that everyone who is meant to be there before the throne of God is there. There's this uh, counting of the tribes, 12 times 12,000, 144,000. It's a symbolic number which represents the completeness of God saving his people. And it describes how there are a numberless multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Now, Mordecai saved his people by taking the king's ring and putting a seal on an edict. Here in Revelation, we see that God's people are saved by a seal put on their foreheads, that God's people are marked out as his. And this isn't the decision of an earthly ruler, but a decision of the heavenly king. His people belong. His people are going to be with him, with God, in his temple, by the springs of living water, with every tear. Wipe from their eyes. 
It's a picture of belonging. It's a picture of getting home. It's a picture of being in family. And you don't get there because of what you are naturally. That's part of the beauty of the picture. It's people from every tribe and tongue and nation are there. It's not because of who you are. It's not because of where you were born. It's not because of the kind of person that you are. What your family was like is God gathers his people from the four corners of the earth. Whoever you are, wherever you come from, you can belong in the great multitude of God's people. Wow. And this is why our Christian language is, the way we speak is so shaped by terms that we use in family. Family terms are ones that we use about God and about church life. We know God as Father. And we know Jesus, the Son. And it's by the Son that we come to know the Father. And when we come into relationship with the Father by the Son, we then become brothers and sisters of one another and children of God. And so the application of these stories, an example of Esther and Mordecai and the Jews in Babylonia in the story we see there in the book of Revelation with the multitude from every nation, every people group gathered before God. The application has two kind of directions. The first one is if you don't yet belong, you can. You can come in and be part of that great multitude before God. And the second way the application works is that if you belong already, we're to live it. We're to live with this sense of belonging, of who we are as the people of God. Now here at Gateway, one of the ways in which we try and help people understand what it means to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus, is through this imagery of belonging. And there's a phrase that we use where we we talk about we have been transformed from being orphans to becoming sons and daughters. We were orphans, we're now sons and daughters. That was true of Esther. She was an orphan, and then she was saved. She belonged. And it's true of all of us spiritually when we put our trust in Jesus. You see, we're, we're made for a relationship with God, and if we're not living in that relationship with God, actually we're orphaned. We're orphaned spiritually. We're, we're not connected. We're, we're not at home. We're not where we most need to be. Coming to Jesus means coming home. It means belonging. It means being part of the family. The thing is, even when we do know God, even when we know the Father through the Son, we can still act like orphans at times, like we don't really belong. There's all kinds of things we do which illustrate this is going on. It's when uh, I just want to do it my way rather than trusting other people. It's when I live insecurely or with fear and anxiety. It's when I'm distrustful of other people because I don't want to risk getting hurt or rejected. It's when I hurt other people because they're getting in my way. Those things are all kind of signs that we're living as orphans, not as children of God. And so we need to Remind ourselves again and again what it means to be a son, a daughter of God. What it, what it means to be sealed by God. That we can really know God as Father. That we can 
really experience his love and total acceptance of us, that we can really live with confidence and in grace, that we really can be unafraid about being vulnerable before others, that we really can know that we have full rights as children in our Father's house, that we really can know joy, that we really can know that we belong. That's the story of Esther. And it's a picture we see in Revelation. In uh, that verse, uh, those verses in Revelation, it talks about those who've come through the great tribulation. Now, all of us face tribulations. There are challenges in life and opposition. We, we've been going through something of a tribulation globally over the past few months with all that's been going on with this virus. But the picture given us there in Revelation 7 is that the people of God come through secure. They're sealed. They're sealed actually by the blood of the Lamb. Christ's death has purchased us, has won us. And when we come to Jesus, we belong, which means that we can rest secure in our identity as a child of God. Now when Xerxes took his ring off his finger and handed it to Mordecai, Esther didn't doubt the effectiveness of what had just happened. She knew that when the edict was written and it was sealed with the king's ring, the deal was done. The king declares it, the ring seals it, it's done. She and her people are safe. And belonging to God's family means that we should have that kind of childlike faith as well. The deal has been sealed. It's done. Jesus has died. His blood has been shed. We've been sealed by that. We've been won by that. Come in faith because of that. We've been adopted by God to enjoy meaningful relationship with God. Think about orphans. As orphans assume they have to keep their distance don't have a sense of belonging, don't have a sense that by right they belong in the family, whereas sons and daughters know that they are welcome. And our Heavenly Father wants us to know Him. He wants us to be close to Him, to have that confidence and security that, yes, we belong, we're welcome, we've got the rights of the house. Those of us who've got kids, that's how we want our kids to feel about our families, our houses. It's how I want my kids to think about my home. My kids are all growing up and leaving home, but when they come home, I want them to feel they belong. Yeah, they can still open the fridge and eat what they like, and they can still kick their shoes off and put them up on the sofa and just behave like they always have. Why? Because they're the family. They belong. And this means that we can, we should, keep asking the Father to supply us with all that we need. Esther went to the king, and she said, save my life, and save the life of my people. In the book of Revelation, we see the people of God living in peace and security and joy. What sons and daughters do is ask, Dad, I want, I need, please help me. Actually, in a healthy family dynamic, a father is disappointed if his kids never ask him for anything. That's not a healthy dynamic. If 
You've got kids and they're too intimidated or too disappointed or too rejected to ever say, Dad, can you? Dad's always moaned about it. You're asking for money again. You want to lift again. Actually, that's what we want. That's what a dad wants. That's what I want. I want my kids to ask me for stuff because it speaks of that relationship and that welcome and that sense of home and family and belonging. And yeah, we're in this together. And of course, the point of all this is that we don't, we don't do this alone. We come to Jesus. We come to the Son. And by the Son, we come to the Father. We come into the family. We get adopted as God's children. We're no longer orphans. No longer orphans, but also we're not only children. We have brothers and sisters in Christ. We come to Jesus and we're made part of the church. We're made part of the church universal. You come to Jesus and you join his family, the big family, this globe-spanning family, this age-spanning family, this multitude that no one can count of countless millions of people who know and love Jesus and our brothers and sisters throughout the world and throughout the ages. But then it's also worked out in the church local. It's in churches like this, in churches like Gateway, where we're called to belong to find family, to find a home, to find community and commitment and a sense of place. Last six months have been so incredibly disrupted, yet we've seen so many examples of family in operation in the life of the church. I've so missed the things that we would normally do as church family not being able to gather in the way that we normally would, actually for so long not being able to gather at all. It was terrible. And yet, through all, I've been so grateful for all the demonstrations of the family of God at work. I know myself, I felt upheld by being part of this family, knowing that I'm not on my own, that there's a crowd of people who I'm in this with, my brothers and sisters, Gateway Church. It's been a time of so much uncertainty. It's a time when there's been so many questions. There's still so much uncertainty. There's still so many questions. What's going to happen? We don't know. Will there be a vaccine? Who knows? Will a vaccine work? Perhaps. Maybe not. How do we get out of this? Who knows? But I do know this. I'm not an orphan. I'm a son. I belong. As Esther knew, nothing written in the king's name and sealed with his ring can be revoked. And as John saw there in Revelation, the lamb at the center of the throne is our shepherd. He will lead us to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Come to Jesus, come to the Father through the Son and find the place where you belong. Find a family, find a home. Let's pray. Oh, King Jesus, thank you that we have been sealed by you. Thank you that your edict and your seal is so much more powerful even than Xerxes, which saved the Jewish people from the schemes of Haman. Thank you that because of your blood shed for us, Jesus, We have been marked for life. Thank you that you call us into a home, 
into a family, into belonging. And Lord, I pray that we'd know that. I pray in this crazy, disrupted, uncertain time, we would have the certainty of knowing who we are as children of God and the joy of knowing that, yes, we belong. There's a place for us. There's a home for us. There's a family in which we fit and are welcome and are loved. Lord, I pray that for those who are part of our congregation and unable still to get to physical gatherings for whatever reason. Pray for those who feel more isolated. Lord, I pray that together we would really know, experience what it is to belong, to be family, and to lift one another up and help each other and spur one another on. In this, this we ask in your name, King Jesus. Amen.